2: Look out, it's only Films To Be Buried With. And we are back, baby! Hello and welcome to Films To Be Buried With. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a time traveller, and I love film. As Rick Riordan once said, knowing too much of your future is never a good thing. I would have loved Planet of the Apes had someone not ruined the ending for me. I hate spoilers. Why do people do them? I don't understand it. What's their thinking? Do they want to ruin our fun? Yeah, it's a very good point, Rick. I don't understand it. Every week, I invite a special guest over. I tell them they've died. Then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Sharon Stone, Jameela Jamil, Barry Jenkins, Mark Frost, James Acaster, and even Ped Blambles. But this week... It is the incredible actor, writer, producer, comedian, director, creator, all-rounder, the amazing Mr. Bill Hader. Head over to the Patreon for the show at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you get an extra 20 minutes of chat and secrets with Bill. You also get all the other episodes, most of them with videos. You get them ad-free, uncut, and a whole lot else to check out. Have a look over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. Also, remember, there's only a few tickets left for the big live films to be buried with live at Hackney Empire. Very soon, this weekend, July 2nd. So make sure you get your tickets from plosive.co.uk and hackneyempire.co.uk. Come and help me murder, Barry and have a nice time with Phil Dunster. So we're back, right? I mean, I said I'd take a break. I took three weeks off, didn't do any resting. I worked all the time. And we are back now because my neighbour Maureen needs the work and because I missed you. This time I will be doing a season. This is season two. It will be at least eight episodes, maybe more. And also, thank you for all the people who sent me messages saying how much they missed the show. I missed you. So, Bill Hader is a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, an impressionist, an SNLer, a creator and the star of Barry. I've been a huge fan of his work on SNL and in films and on TV. It was a great honour to sit with him and talk. It was fucking great and I think you're going to love this one. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 202 of Films To Be Buried With. Hello and welcome to Films to Be Buried with. It is I, Brett Goldstein, and I'm joined today by an actor, a writer, a comedian, a skeptical, co, an inside outer, a Simpsoner, a South Parker, a skeleton twin, a creator, a showrunner, a hero, a legend, and a human in his own right. Please welcome to the show, can't believe he's here, it's the one and only, it's Mr Bill Hader! Hey! Oh, well,
0: that was very sweet, thank you. <laughs> Glad to be here.
2: <laughs> Lovely to have you. How are you? How's it going? I'm good. Now, you told me, just while we were setting up, but I think the listeners would want to know, you are currently mid-writing Barry Season 4? Yeah,
0: we're writing Barry Season 4. That's what I was just doing before I hopped on here, so if I'm a bit tired i, I apologize <laughs> <laughs> i
2: wanted to ask you about barry because i think i'd forgotten until i went back and looked. you directed so many of them so many of the episodes including the yeah. first lot how was it having this much control this is the first thing you've had this much control over i guess is that true In all,
0: yeah. yeah yeah definitely but i think Nothing is as hard as Saturday Night Live. So everything after that was quite easy. And I really? think that's why so many of us now have these TV shows because it's a bit like, oh, yeah, I know how to do that, you know. But the one thing I didn't know how to do and I always have wanted to do since I was very young was direct. You know, I was always yeah. making short films with friends and my sisters and things like that. So that was the one thing I did. I wasn't able to do on Saturday Night Live. And then um, so directing when we pitched to HBO Barry and then, you know, I said, I like to direct the pilot, they kind of went, huh, Uh, okay. And then Alec Berg, thankfully said, I I vouched for him. He had no idea if I could do it or not. He said, I vouch for him. I think it's going to be great. (laughs) Yeah. It it, seems
2: like he would know what he's doing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. He's like, he looks like, look at him, you know?
2: (laughs) He's wearing a cap in this meeting. Directors wear caps. He must be a director. Well, he's got a
0: black blazer and a black T-shirt with, like, you know, on. He's fine, (laughs) you know.
2: Okay, two things. One is, you are not the first person I have heard say, nothing's harder than SNL. And I know how hard it is making and running a TV show. Can you, in a short way, maybe explain why SNL is harder?
0: Well, just because it's you're figuring the whole show out in a week and then it's on live television. It's, you know, it's live all over the nation. Mm -hmm. So there's just this, a lot of pressure and then it's constantly changing. So it's never, if you're like me and you like films that you love to Mm -hmm. hone things and get them just right. And SNL, that's almost impossible. You had to just kind of go out there with something that you some of it worked, some of it didn't. I feel like that's why stand-ups and people with a really strong in the state sketch background, you know, people from Second City or UCB or the groundlings thrive there in a really great way yeah. because they can handle that and going like, Oh, this isn't working, so what? Move on to the next thing where I would I, I would get pretty crushed even if I was, you know, yeah. customer number two. <laughs> <laughs> and my straight line didn't land i would be like oh you know (laughs) yeah yeah
2: tell me this on saturday nights now this is a genuine serious question do you get butterflies on a saturday night
0: i don't get butterflies on a saturday night but if i hear certain songs i will get butterflies if i hear train in vain by the clash because that would be the warm-up song right before we would go on that if i heard train in vain and uh, Kenan Thompson would sing, and, and Fred Armisen would sing it for the audience to warm up the audience. Yeah. If I hear that, I do have a bit of a, because that means, oh, after that song's done, we're, we're live.
2: I'm um, customer number two. Bye. Yeah.
0: It's
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no. Uh, I
0: was just hearing that bump, 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 <laughs> And I'm like...
2: (laughs) Fascinating. Can I ask you a a kind of practical question that I'm always interested in and I don't know and I'm sure everyone is different. When you're directing Barry, you are also Barry. So when you are acting in a scene, do you film it, then go watch the monitor? Do you trust someone that you've got it? Do you feel you had it right?
0: I trust somebody. I also, you know, I I, I have, you know, Alec Berg there or... This guy Duffy Boudreaux, who I grew up with, is one of my oldest friends. Who's a writer on the show, and actually the the first AD, this guy Gavin Kleintop, who's just a brilliant, you know, they they really get what the show is. So I can kind of go over to them, or or sometimes it's the the people I'm acting with. Well, the other actors will be like, "What do you think of that? You know, <laughs> does that seem to work?" <laughs> you know, or you just <laughs> kind of you know it, see. but I'm also, because I'm directing, I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly impatient. So I, I you right. know, I just want to keep going. And, and I think that, you know, you, you've been on sets, you know, it's, yeah. you like to get that momentum going and <laughs> the momentum just crushes where they go. Oh, let's go look at it. You know, and you watch yeah. it and everybody goes, mm, you know, here, I'm going to try something. I just feel like everything kind of dies down. I like to keep it like, let's go again. Let's go again. Let me try this. Let me try this. And then then maybe I'll sometimes I'll go, you should watch it because I don't know what you're doing is pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> Did it feel good? It felt good because it looked really weird. You yeah, if, if it felt good, then you should watch it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Amazing. One other question, if I may, about the Barry stuff is you're on season four, which is a lot. Does it live in your in your head? Like, is it exciting to you that you can keep building this thing? Or is every season, do you think, that's it for me? Do you write it like, this is it, and then you get given another season and you're like, fuck, a whole new world? Or
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it started out that, you know, you do the first season and you go, well, maybe that's it. And you kind of have ideas. Hey, if we got a season two, this is what I'd like to do. And then we got a season two. And then during season two, it was kind of, you know yeah you're going to get a season three because this this seems to be working so while we're doing season two we're kind of going oh you know this could be in season three that could be in season three the weird thing about season four is that it was during the pandemic you know that we were supposed to be shooting season three and then because of the pandemic nothing and so we uh we, we said well can we write season four and hbo said yeah sure and they paid us to write season four. And so that helped season three because we got to go back and rewrite a bunch of stuff and and, and, and kind of set them, some things up for, for what a season four would look like.
2: Oh, cool. Would you be happy to do it for many more years? Or is that not a question? I,
0: I mean, yeah, one day, yes. Another day, I'm like, no, I can't do this ever, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I can't. If you call me when I'm driving out to the, you know, the desert at 3 a.m. to get, a sh- you know, a shot at dawn or, you know, whatever, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, it's an insane... Just watching, you know, what Jason has to oh, man, yeah. take on. You know, it's yeah. it's it's an inhuman amount of pressure.
0: Uh, Conan O'Brien has this, this analogy of the white suit. You know, you put on a white suit and people go you know that means you know this you, you have a suit on and suddenly it's really white and nice and you just it's like i don't want to get it dirty yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and you go oh geez the white suit you know <laughs> I, I i don't know if 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 Sudeikis goes through that but i i know there was a moment in writing season two of barry that was a bit of that white suit feeling yeah. it was like oh, fuck it let's just throw throwing spaghetti on it. <laughs> let's just see what happens and i'm friends with the guys you know, Hiro Murai over Atlanta, and he said, Oh, we had a very similar feeling where I went, Oh, man. It's a hard thing to explain to people the pressure that comes when the thing works, you know? Because mm. people go, Oh, that must be really hard. Having a...
2: <laughs> yeah. And the longer the thing goes on, the more, the more. You're like, I don't want to ruin the suit. We've come this far. Like,
0: it's- yeah, the suit's been this far. Why are you still? What? Don't get on that motorcycle and drive through puddles. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Especially critics will say that. Like, please stop mm. now. <laughs> I've done yeah. interviews with critics where they go, "Please tell me this is it." <laughs> No, and you go, oh, you know. "Ah, well, I mean we got one more i you know yeah
2: <laughs> are you ever able to switch it off, or is it is it full time in your head?
0: It's full time in my head, but it's that's fun, you know it's it's yeah, never yeah. a um, I mean the pressure of it definitely gets to you you know at times and and I'm directing all the episodes next season, so that's another aspect oh of it that's a lot, but oh it's but it it Again, it's not as hard as Saturday Night Live. I'm, I don't know if Jason would say the same thing, <laughs> but it's not. It's yeah, it's still not as hard as Saturday Night Live. It's like oh, but I, you know, we get to edit it. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get to go home and sleep. I get like little breaks. You know. That's yeah, crazy. we just never got that really.
2: Oh, Bill. Hey, there. I've forgotten to tell you something, and I. Know. I should have told you in the beginning. Oh, fuck. And I don't know if you got it in your email. I don't know. I don't know how much. This is the first time we've met. This is awkward. I'll just fucking say it and then we'll deal with it. Okay. Uh, You've died. Oh. Dang
0: it. I knew something was up.
2: Oh, no. I was in such a good mood. You had so much going on. How did you die?
0: Well, I went skydiving. Mm -hmm. and then the parachute opened, and uh, I landed, but then I had a heart attack. (laughs) I don't think it had anything to do with the skydiving.
2: That was just a lovely activity. I feel
0: like it was just a lovely activity, and then it was just my time. I think if I had jumped a couple minutes later, I would have had a heart attack on the plane.
2: Right, right. So when uh, your friends and family try to sue the skydiving company, I'm going to be a witness in court and so say, I actually think, just to be clear, I think... Cause I think this is a bad call.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> if you check his heart... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How old were you? How old would you like to be when, you, when
0: this happens? Oh, I was uh, 83. Okay.
2: Do you worry about death, Bill Hader?
0: You know what? I used to, uh, when I was very young... And then, you know, you see people close to you go and uh, it it focused me more on, oh, this is all very finite, you know, so I should try to do what I want to do with every day, you know.
2: Well, as in and stop worrying about the death bit because it's stopping me
0: getting on with shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you see people go and then you go like, oh, OK, that's where we're all headed. So, you know, Sudeikis could probably tell you this that you know Del Close do you know he is or was
2: yeah yeah he was the improv king had problems
0: yeah and he had he would tell the story of the sky dancer and the sky dancer jumped out of an airplane and did all these beautiful dances and pulled their parachute and the parachute didn't open and instead of Panicking, this guy dad so just kept dancing and uh, went all the way around and died. And and that was the analogy of life, which is like, I this: know. we're all headed
3: yeah. <laughs> to the ground,
0: so you might as well dance, you know, and like make something or do something or express yourself, you know. And I, I thought that was I thought that was nice, but I'm also from the Midwest, like Jason, so we're we we cry a lot. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you? Did you ever work with Del Close? No. You know, I I think he passed away before I was even... He he was such a legend by the time I started doing improv. I I remember going into Bob Odenkirk's office and there was a picture of him and Del Close and Chris Farley. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's Del Close. Holy shit. But yeah, he's the kind of father of improv. And, you know, came up with Mike Nichols and Elaine May and all those people.
2: If you don't mind because I don't know how much, maybe you've talked about this loads, but I was reading up on you, and you did, You were obsessed with film. As far as I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, you wanted to make film, and you were, you were being an assistant, a production assistant, and you were on the job for stuff at very low level, just trying to learn stuff. And then at some point, you, you started doing improv, but it didn't seem like there was any comedy stuff before this. Can I ask you, what made you go to the improv?
0: Well, it was, you know, like a lot of things, it was two things. One, the girl I've been dating for 7 years and I broke up. Say
2: the word, I got it. Yeah,
0: you know what I mean? So we had broken up and she had moved out of Los Angeles, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, when you go through a massive breakup, and it was my first massive breakup, the first real like we were in love, we broke up. And so I so I got to do something different. And then my friend, Eric Filipkowski, and I were both PAs on this reality TV show. He said, oh, do you want to come to Second City Theater and see a show that, uh, you know, my show? And then there's another show after it. And I went and saw a show that was called Ha Ha Fresh. And in that show was a guy named Derek Waters, who ended up doing Drunk History and A guy named Simon Helderberg, who was on the Big Bang Theory and some other things. Um, he's
2: in a net. Yeah, he's in a net. Yeah, he's yeah. great in a net. Yeah.
0: yeah. And uh, they were in that show, and I, I, I was embarrassed because they were my age, you know, right. and they were performing. And I went, Whoa, whoa, well, I could, you know, we can do that, you know. And, and so I, I was a bit embarrassed. And so I, I kind of went over to Eric and said, How do I get, how do I get in on this? And he's like, you got to take classes. So that was the winter of 2003. Wow! And yeah. so I went and I took classes at, starting in March. And that was purely just a way that to start being creative. Cause I was trying to make short films, but you needed money. And I, it wasn't like now where you can make stuff on your phone and stuff. It was like too expensive. And so I said, well, every, at least every Saturday I do something creative. So that was my creative outlet.
2: I love that. I love it. Tell me this. What do you think happens when you die? Do you think there's an afterlife?
0: No, I think it's just the light switch goes off. And it's just... Complete darkness.
2: You sky dance, you land, you have a heart attack. Blackout.
0: Blackout, yeah. Hard blackout. Hard blackout.
2: Well, I got news for you, buddy boy. There's a heaven. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're wrong.
2: You you got it. You, you're you not right. There's a heaven. And... Uh, <laughs> And it's brilliant, and it's filled with your favourite thing. What's your favourite thing? Movies. It's filled with movies. It's like a blockbuster video. There's aisles and aisles of movies. There are people made of celluloid. There's screening rooms. There's beds filled with cans of film. And (laughs) Everyone is really happy to see you, and they want to talk to you about your life. But through the medium of film, and the first thing they ask you is, what... Bill Hader is the first film you remember seeing.
0: In the theater was Empire Strikes Back specifically. The scene I remember was of Han Solo falling in in carbonite, the close up of
3: he comes
0: into frame and you see him in carbonite. And I started crying and my dad took me out of the theater and I remember that. And then on television was a late night movie uh, called The Children. It was a horror film. And I remember it had a an image of a bunch of kids in a school bus, and the school bus goes into a giant cloud like a like a big like a cloud of smoke on a mm-hmm. street and and it turns them all into zombies. but that image of the school bus going into the smoke really freaked me out again and told my parents and I remember I was very young and then when YouTube happened, I remember being at home and i was thinking about that just i know and i went i wonder what that was and so i typed in school bus cloud of smoke and then this trailer for this movie came up and there it was this image that i was maybe i just dreamed that you know and there it was that image the children i go this is it this is a hundred percent what i saw you know
2: was it did it scare you no or were you like, oh, this looks silly?
0: Oh yeah, that looks kind of. I was like, oh wow, yeah, it's a bunch <laughs> of just smoke bombs going off in the middle of the street and like just the, well, you know, yeah. It, but it's very very cheap horror film called the yeah. The, yeah. the children that I, I I think I wasn't supposed to be seeing. I think it was just it was on television. That's. I great. wandered into a room.
2: When you saw Empire Strikes Back, was that we was that just you and your dad, or were you with?
0: I my my rem- memories are just me and my dad. Yeah. That's sweet.
2: And he took you out because you were crying right before the end.
0: Yeah, I was quite young. I, mean, I, was, I was very young. Yeah, like three or four or something no, like that. No, and and he, I just started freaking out and you know. And uh, but yeah, that was the first one I can remember. Yeah, he said he snuck me into other movies before that when I was a baby because they couldn't find a babysitter, so they would have me, you know, and they would be bouncing me while they're watching, you know, whatever. That's Kramer versus funny. Kramer or whatever late 70s movie they were watching. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> what is the film that made you cry the most? You're from the Midwest, you cry. What's the film that made you cry the most?
0: It's actually a movie from uh, Kes, the Ken Loach movie, Kes.
2: Oh, Kes, the, the fucking... You, yeah. I mean, we haven't talked about that film for a while in this podcast. Yeah. Kes is the maddest, is the worst children's film <laughs> it's such a horror film.
0: The scene in Kess. when he's in front of the class and the teachers like tell them about how you train kestrels, and and I just find that so moving. How they at first they make fun. It just feels so real, and that kid is so good, and it's just so well. It's just I just find that scene of acceptance. There's nothing sentimental or syrupy about it it just feels very real you know and and just beautiful beautiful scene
2: doesn't it make you think the difference between british films and american films is children's films in america end on a positive note and british films end with the bird stuffed in a bin
0: is that British or is that just that region was it Yorkshire yeah it's just northern <laughs> it's just northern, northern.
2: <laughs> your birds in the fucking bin the end <laughs> uh,
0: horrific dreams are what you wake up from the end <laughs> <laughs> the message of that
2: film should be don't fucking bother yeah it's a horrible film
0: yeah don't train your birds around your older brother <laughs>
2: You'll get well jealous. What uh, you're in uh, Inside Out, yeah, correct. We did a uh, best films of the decade edition of this podcast, and I said that Inside Out was the greatest film of the of the last oh. decade.
0: Oh, I'll, I'll tell Pete and those guys. That's nice. Yeah, very,
2: I think it truly is fucking profound. It's a may. I mean, we could talk about, it, but we'll get, back. we you will get back to your choices. But shout out to Inside Out. Oh, yeah,
0: thank you. Oh, yeah, incredible. I'll tell Pete. Those guys would really appreciate it. They're really sweet.
2: It's fucking like something. Uh, what is the film that scared you the most? Do you like being scared?
0: Oh, yeah, I love I loved horror films. I still love horror films. There's the horror films, like... Um, I remember watching on late-night television when I was 12 or 13, The Sam Raimi's Evil Dead, and there's a yes, scene in yes. that film where this woman is looking out a window and she's guessing the cards that her friends are playing and they don't understand how she's doing it. And then she turns around and her eyes are white. And yeah, she goes, yeah, yeah. that scared the hell out of me. And then the irony is, is that actress, Ellen Sandweiss, her daughter is an actress named Jesse Hodges and she's in Barry, she plays Sally's agent. Okay. And so when I met her and we were talking, she was like, my mom was in a little horror movie called Evil Dead and I went. What? wait who is your mom and evil dad and she was like you know and that was her and that was that and i go oh my gosh that was a profound experience in my childhood you know or adolescence was seeing that film and that film also was a film i think i think for a lot of filmmakers it was the one that kind of made you it was like listening to punk rock music or something where you went Oh, I see how I can, I see how they're doing it and it's really effective, but I think I can do this, you know, picked up your camera and you would chase your, my sisters around, or you would try to do all these kind of evil dead things. So, yeah, I would say that. And then another scene that scared me was in the film Marathon Man Mm -hmm. with uh, Dustin Hoffman. There's a scene where he is in a bathtub and I don't know if you remember this scene where he's in a bathtub and he's, he has a washcloth on his face and he's just kind of decompressing from all the stressful stuff that's happening to him and it's very quiet. And then very, very subtly you hear people whispering and it's done so well that you think, still when I'm watching it, if I'm watching it with like other people, I kind of go, oh, someone's whispering in the room and you kind of (laughs) look over your shoulder. And then Dustin Hoffman goes and sits up and you go, oh my gosh, that's in his apartment. And then (laughs) he's in the bathtub and the door is just cracked open a bit. And he runs over and he, when he slams the door shut, suddenly yes. there, people are heading on the other side and you realize, oh, there's two men in his apartment. Oh my gosh, just terrifying. Really good. Very uh, well done, I, I love that moment.
2: Can I ask you a, 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 an acting question? I think the two hardest things to do as an actor, one is laughing and the other is jumping, scared, being startled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you've got an amazing laughing scene, in a film that I really really like Skeleton Twins. Oh, okay. really good and it seems completely genuine and I wonder if it is a kind of captured moment where you and Kristen are oh. like pissing yourselves laughing or whether that was
0: Yeah, that's Kristen and I just being good, you know, friends and okay. making each other laugh and and she's improvising stuff and we're improvising together but okay. that's her just being she was being just saying really funny things. I think she was saying stuff about someone's name or, or we were just, we so were that's just real capture. That's very real. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
2: And then doing uh it chapter two, where you are having to be scared. Is that hard as in the reality of filming that?
0: Not or really, you know, because Andy machete who directed that movie was very good at kind of, getting you in a headspace and, hmm. you know, being like, all right. And he, he'd he be on this big microphone. Okay, you guys are coming. And then oh, he would okay. scream and you would kind of like... <laughs> oh, okay, great. That might be jump. It actually. was really scaring us. Yeah, yeah. And then you walk in and... and then here he is, he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That yeah. solved
2: it for me. Thank you. So
0: no acting, really.
2: Yeah, just okay. Just shout at the actors. What is the film that you love? It is not critically acclaimed. Most people don't even like it, but you think it's amazing and you don't care what they say.
0: Well, there's movies that I've walked out of, like, after the movie's ended, and I go, man, that was great. And everyone else is like, <laughs> what? <laughs> that was terrible. You know that feeling when you're the, the outlier? Yeah, I have read that a lot. And uh, eyes wide shut was that for me? I walked out and went, like, "That was great!" And everybody went, "That was the most pretentious piece of shit." I oh, really? I oh, I thought it had a really. I thought it was kind of funny. I had, like interesting things <laughs> about relationships, and and then the other one was um, that jennifer lawrence movie mother i remember walking out of that going that was really terror that was terrifying i thought that was great and oh my god the people i was with were so they tear (laughs) apart a baby (laughs) and i go but it's a dream it's like a it's her nightmare of everything she wants i don't know i thought that was kind of interesting i i i what i that was one when i said i liked it my friend's girlfriend said what's wrong with you
2: I I had I had the same thing I really like that film a lot but I don't know many people they do so that's alright it's fucking great
0: I think it's brilliant and people yeah. very very it was one of those things where I just said I've, as I've gotten older I used to in my 20s argue with people about movies yeah. and now I'm just like I just don't have the energy so I just went oh okay 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 <laughs> I think I just said okay about 50 times as we walked to my car I was going okay 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 you're right you're right okay <laughs> <laughs> it's such a weird thing. I had this argument with a friend the other
2: day about a film that I that I just think is amazing, and she, and she hated it. And then she was, like, relentlessly kind of breaking down why it was terrible, why it was terrible. And I suddenly was sort of like, what do you want at the end of this? Do you want the thing that has made me happy to not make me happy anymore?
0: Yeah, you know I've, I mean? I've like, experienced that with films that I like, where people get really riled up about it. And, the, and then sometimes I'll have, like, I I love the film... Clockwork Orange, that was a movie that mm-hmm. was very formidable for me. I understand that, that movie is is not easy to watch, but I can have a conversation of why that movie struck me so much and, and my views of, like, you know, violence and, you know, and, and the human condition and all these things, whatever. And and I did have a conversation that was the only really time where it was the opposite of what you're describing, because usually it's what you're describing where I go, yeah. I don't know what you want out of it. But I had a friend say, but what bothers me about that film was that it became pop culture and that people would dress up like droogs. Mm. And I remember seeing the Blur video and they're dressed up like droogs and all these other things. Bart Simpson was dressed up like a droog. And they're rapists, you know? (laughs) like They're monsters. And I went, you know what? That's a very good point. You're right. That is a very good point. I mean, that I could understand if you go and watch that film and you go, I hate that when you go into... Yeah, you know people have posters of alex on their wall and shit and it's like that shouldn't be you know and i i said i can understand why you wouldn't like that film based on that but i think that bit is out that's the unfortunate byproduct of the thing Mm. you know but i I said i hear you i think that movie is very important but that is a very true thing that is unfortunate yeah
2: yeah interesting On the other hand, what is a film that you used to love that you've watched recently and you've gone, I don't like this anymore, (laughs) for whatever reason that may be?
0: There is a film that was on HBO when I was growing up and I watched all the time called The Race. The The Race. It It was like an updated 50s, like, hot rod movie, but it was set in the 80s. Cheryl Flynn was in it. Nick Cassavetes was in it. He was the bad guy. And Charlie Sheen is a good kid who races these guys and then he's, he's killed. And then he, he, he like comes back as this kind of ghost, you know, this almost this alien guy, not an actual alien, but it's a guy on leather with like the helmet on kind of looks like Daft Punk, right? but drives this really cool car. And the car somehow just wreaks revenge against all these bad kids and it was on hbo all the time and i was i just thought it was great and then um i was in uh, seattle and i went into a video store and i found a dvd of it and i can and i went nuts and it was really ex- hacks is back for season three and so is the official hacks podcast in each episode hacks creators lucia and yellow paul w downs and jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the emmy-winning comedy series And I bought it, and I went, "Oh my god!" This, is... and uh, oh my god, I went crazy, and and I, 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 it was, it was a very expensive DVD. And I got home and watched it, and the minute, uh, ten minutes in, I went, "This isn't good."
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that's so sad.
0: <laughs> and I called my sister because we used to watch it all the time. I go, "I found a copy of The Wraith," and she went, "Oh my gosh!" Uh-uh. You know, it might be on Amazon Prime now, for all I know. But she, went, "Oh my god." I, it was, a, and I go, it's terrible. And she went, what? <laughs> you know, it just didn't hold up. That's
2: heartbreaking. What is the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily the film is any good, but the experience you had around seeing the film will always make it meaningful to you. Bill Hader,
0: please. So, do they have SATs? They don't have it. Do they have SATs? Do you know what the
2: SATs? No, but but they're they're like exams when you're sixteen.
0: Yeah, this would be when we were. Yeah, when your oh, senior year like of high school so when you're okay. 17 18 years old you have to so take like these, yeah that test to get into college yeah so the sat is the thing that you study hard on you know kids real rich kids would get you know families would get them tutors for yeah. sat and your whole life for four years is you got to take this sat and how you do on this depends on what school you go to and i went in to take my sat and I was so overwhelmed and uh, kind of defeated because <laughs> I just didn't feel prepared that I put my name on it and I turned it in. I didn't wow. do anything. So it was complete suicide. Wow. <laughs> and you, you know, an SAT test, you have to go to a, another facility. You don't take it. At, I didn't take it at my school. It's like, you go to this place, wow. your parents have to pay all this money. It's a real thing. And then I just put my name on it and I turned it in. I got my car and I drove to the movie theater and I went and saw Mars Attacks. (laughs) (laughs) And while I was watching Mars Attacks, I was just watching this film where these aliens are destroying Earth going, oh, my life is over. (laughs) Wow. I've completely blown up my life. And I was alone at the Promenade Theater in Tulsa, Oklahoma watching Mars attacks and just thinking I'm going to have to go home. I'm going to have to tell my parents I'm mm. going to have to do this. But for right now, I'm in Tim Burton's perfect little <laughs> flying saucer world. Wow. <laughs> and uh, and yes, yeah, so that was that movie forever. If I see a poster for it or if I come across it on television, I, I go, oh, my gosh, I just I don't think I've really have seen that film. Yeah. Because I just wasn't there the whole time. It was. It was like I had committed a murder.
2: Yeah. It, well, you murdered your. You'd murdered your educational future.
0: My, I, yeah, I murdered my educational. Yeah, my my future. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so did you did you go home and say uh, what you did, or did you wait till you got zero?
0: I said. Uh, I don't think I did very well, so I, I didn't really cop to it. I said I don't think I did well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> how would how would you define bad? I mean. I think I'm gonna get quite
0: like I mean, if you don't answer it, it, doesn't mean you really don't know it.
2: <laughs> yeah. You have to be in it to get, you know, bad grades. Yeah.
0: I didn't really try but I remember like a month later my mother saying you didn't get into state school, which is I mean a given. So it was kind of like, Oh man, you really blew it, you know. So and where I, where I grew up, you would have to go to a junior college, which is, is kind of like high school, but you can smoke, which is. And, and so I went out of state to a junior college, which Jimmy Kimmel thinks is the funniest thing on the planet. And he went, wait, you went out of state to a junior college, <laughs> which really makes 0.0 sense. It makes wow. no sense. And I went out of state and then ended up just moving to los angeles you know but wow. but it, you know it doesn't matter a lot How of people amazing. went to junior college did great i could be talking out of school here but i think Sadakis might have gone to a junior college in kansas oh, i feel really? like when he and i because he and i shared an office together at snl and i feel like we both were like because you're around at, at at snl live you're around all these like harvard people and i feel really inadequate and I remember a guy named Charlie Granny and I went. You went to Harvard. I was such a hillbilly. I was like, "Are you serious? You mean <laughs> Harvard in Massachusetts? You went to Harvard." And uh, but I feel like Sadekas was like, "No, no, I went to a junior college." And I went, "Oh, really? Ooh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> so I don't feel as. Did you write anything on your SATs? <laughs> did you Did you actually do your SATs? <laughs> Did you actually do your SATs? <laughs> <Because I didn't. laughs> Please tell me you didn't, you know. <laughs> that's
2: incredible. But both of you are now having to do the most intense, hard working amount of work possible. Like that's yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. interesting. Yeah, it's what, what a turnaround.
3: Yeah, yeah, I know.
2: Do you know what was going on in your head when you did that? Were you just like, I can't cope with this or
0: I just can't cope with it. You know, I've always had really bad anxiety and I think I just panicked and just went, I can't handle this. There's so much pressure being put on me right now. Yeah, And I just can't do it. And did that and then, you know, just dealt with the consequences. But it was definitely up to that time in my life, the most insane thing I would ever done. Yeah, yeah all my friends were just going, what is wrong? Why did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> it's fascinating. Bill, why did, what, what, what happened, man? <laughs> yeah.
2: You are like, I just really wanted to see Mars Attacks, and it was on at 1 p.m.
0: I really wanted to see Mars Attacks, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, what is the film you most relate to?
0: When I was a kid, the movie that I went, I related to the main character the most, honestly, it was A Christmas Story. Oh, I remember really? that kid, I remember I that kid that just thinking like, oh, I relate to that, you know like wanting a thing and not knowing how to get it and having a bully and, you know, the scene where he fights that kid and then he cries, you know, Mm. I think is very, very moving because I'm like, oh, I I remember having a moment like that. Kid hit my sister with a tetherball and I tackled him and I didn't know how to hit anybody, but I was just kind of... Hit, you know slapping the top of his head <laughs> but it was you start crying because your emotions are all up and all that so i i just think that that movie i, I think it was very moving I, I i got to watch it with my children and it, it was kind of special because i was like oh man i used to watch this all the time when i was a kid because i related to ralphie <laughs> did it work
2: for your kids
0: yeah yeah they, okay. they liked it they got really involved i have three daughters so but they were really involved with it. But they also were, you know, raised now, so they went, he wants a gun? Why yeah. does he want a gun, you know? And you go, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, no, it's true, you know? It's like when I watched the, the Goonies with them, and they were like, this is fun, but, like, when do the girls get to do something? And I go, but the girl got to play piano. <laughs> she <laughs> played enough. piano, and she saved the day, and they were like, that's bullshit. <laughs> Okay, you're not wrong. I was like, everything back then was made and geared towards uh, me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Here's the one people are interested in. What is the sexiest film you've ever seen, Bill
0: Hader? That uh, would have to be. Mama, Mamatambian, I would say, is the sexiest film I've ever seen. I think all three of them are so incredibly sexy in that movie. Yeah, Mary Bell Verdue, if I ever saw her, I I wouldn't be able to, like, I would just, like, turn around and walk away. (laughs) Just sound like, you're the, the, like, she is so insanely gorgeous Mm. and just a a phenomenal actress. I mean, what's sexy about it isn't just, like, but the acting in it, you know, her performance in that is just unbelievable and both of them uh gail and uh um, oh my God, diego, diego oh my god they're so good in that film and they're all really hot it is it is just such a fantastic film but also and it's funny because i've become friendly with alfonso Coron oh, yeah, yeah. when i talked to him about that one like uh, it's like weird you can't really tell him like that is the sexiest film <laughs> i've ever seen
2: it's also i think it's one of my favorite endings to a film that film yeah i it's think beautiful. the, the epilogue is really yeah it's really
0: i think that movie is just also it says kind of a like just guys at that age and because i'm i was the age of those guys when they move i mean they're in their early 20s and that's that how old i was when that film came out somewhere around their age and and uh just masculinity and they're trying to be the you know he's just these morons and she comes in and they just again it wasn't messagey it wasn't too on the nose it was just a feeling and a vibe of the whole thing that was just so emotional and incredibly sexy i mean the 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 yeah the end of that film when she's dancing to the camera is just, uh, that is just so unbelievably sexy, but also like works for the character and why mm. they're all getting drunk together and all this tension, the tension in that movie. There's so much sexual tension in that movie, but also <laughs> what's happening with the character is like really uh, tragic.
2: Weren't they given, I believe that that film was made like, that they were given, basically given money to make a sex film. Like, it was a low-budget thing. There were, like, three sex films being made by, yeah. I don't know, by a company. So it was sort of like, here's some money, go make a sex film. And then yeah. it turned in this incredibly profound, beautiful... Yeah. Which is also a sex film, but it's also so much more than that. Yeah, no, it really
0: is. I think it, it's, it's really something. Yeah, I think yeah. he's one yeah. of the great filmmakers.
2: For sure. Yeah, there's a subcategory to this question, Bill Hader. Troubling boners, worrying why not <laughs> <laughs> A film you found arousing that you weren't sure you should. I
0: don't know. I, yeah, I I, was, I couldn't figure that one out. Uh, if I have one, but there, uh, I I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not trying to be you know modest here or anything, but I can't think of one. But I I mean, I do think I was of the era of the. Princess Leia slave outfit, which okay. again, okay. watching that with my kids makes zero sense. That's why I, my daughters are now, they're like, why is she in that outfit? And I'm like, uh, again, it, <laughs> this sh- movie is geared towards me and me like boys. <laughs> this thing is geared towards boys because <laughs> it made, it makes no sense that she's suddenly in that outfit, you know, mm. really
2: well, Hasn't he made their dress like that? I mean, I'm not saying
0: it's right, but hasn't Jabba the Hat gone, <laughs> put this on? Then why is, I guess my thing is like, if she's in an outfit, why aren't Luke and Han in different outfits? Because <laughs> they're all being taken prisoner. Because <laughs> Jabba the Hat is not interested in one.
2: <laughs> Listen, J- he's he's frozen. I mean, he's, he's clearly not into boys. <laughs> he's made that quite quick. He's put one of them on ice and the other one...
0: Yeah, the other one's on ice and the other one he doesn't want to see. The other one had to sneak in, yeah. 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 He's pissed. But yeah, I guess that would be the closest one that, you know... That's fair. That's fair.
2: Bill Hader, what is objectively the greatest film of all time? Might not be your favourite, but it's the
0: greatest. If you're going by storytelling, acting, cinematography, editing, Mm -hmm. you know... I I am, yeah. Everything... The Godfather, the first Godfather would probably be pound for pound. That's like when I watch that film, I go, well, everything is working in this thing into like a perfect level. Is it my favorite movie? No, which also says something like you're saying, you know, but I, I would probably say The Godfather when I watch that. I just go, yeah, this is like if I had to teach a class, you would just show The yeah. Godfather and go, there it is. There's all the <laughs>
2: There's all this stuff.
0: I, I mean, another one, I think oh, I would say another one that's Close for me is um, The Third Man is another one. When I watch that one, I go, wow, this one just, this just just works. works. (laughs) This just works on every level. This thing just works, you know?
2: Yeah. Tell me this, what is the film you could or have watched the most over and over again?
0: I mean, it it runs a gambit, but Love and Death, which is a Woody Allen movie I really like. The Last Detail with Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Taxi Driver is one of my favorite films. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nights at Kiberia, the Fellini movie, is one of my favorite films. i watched that a lot. A movie called Akiru by Kurosawa. i watched that a lot. Rosemary's Baby, Airplane. You know, like you know, these these are the movies that if they're on, I just sit and watch. I just I have to watch the whole thing.
2: You know, a lot. Of that *Rosemary Baby* and *Taxi Driver* are both quite funny. I think. Yeah, yeah. they're quite. It took me when I, as I got older, I found them funny. As in, not I'm not saying they're funny all the way through, but they are like *Rosemary Baby* is like a sort of social. I think it's like a film about manners. It's like the whole yeah. Film
0: that movie she, just wouldn't happen if she was an if she said get, get out of my house. Yeah, all she has to say <laughs> is no. Wrong. But she's yeah,
2: oh yeah. y- yes, uh, uh, after you, uh, sure, okay, thank yeah.
0: you. Yeah, that was kind of what's so great about that is the role of that w- w- woman is that she's so nice and trying to make everyone happy, and then the yeah. fear of childbirth, and she's doing everything right, you yeah. know, and she just gets taken advantage of. I just thought it was. Uh,
2: and there's the, the moment in Taxi Driver I always thinks funny where he, he meets the guy in the hotel room to buy guns and the guy then offers him drugs and he's so offended. like Yeah, all,
0: yeah, I'm not interested like, in that <laughs> stuff.
2: Yeah, who do you think yeah, I yeah, am? Okay,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, Stephen <laughs> Prince. Yeah, that guy, Stephen Prince, he goes, nitrous oxide, nitrous oxide, I gave you Cadillac, Cadillac. <laughs> what the thing yeah. I will say even the scene that is an awful, awful scene, and that's what Scorsese is so good at, Who's taking really terrible scenes, like when he's going to Harvey Keitel about Jodie Foster, I and mean, Harvey Keitel's like the lowest scumbag on the planet. Mm-hmm. And even that scene has like, Scorsese's like, yeah, but that guy's not, not funny. You know, he's a immoral piece of shit, yeah. but he has to be charming in, on some dumb level or he couldn't yeah. get yeah. these women. So even that scene where he's like, I had a horse, I got hit by a car. I'm like, I have no idea what he's talking about. You know, he's just so strange in that scene that you're like and and watching him. And I love watching that scene because I remember liking Mean Streets and how the the roles were reversed where it was Mm. Harvey Keitel was the straight guy and De Niro was the crazy guy. And it's just so cool seeing that and then watching Taxi Driver when I was, you know, 13 or 14 and kind of really obsessed with those films, you know.
2: We don't like to be negative, Bill Hader. I don't know if you do. I don't. But we'll do it quickly. What's
0: the worst film you ever seen? <laughs> I will say the first film that I was very disappointed in as a kid was Teen Wolf 2. Okay. That was the film because I loved Teen Wolf 1 so much yeah. that I went in the theater to see Teen Wolf 2. And it was uh, an abomination. <laughs>
2: I forget, what's the deal in T. Wolf 2? It's a different sport, right? He's
0: boxing. He's a boxing wolf. He's a boxer. (laughs) And it's Jason Bateman, who I'm friendly with, who's one of the loveliest human beings on the planet. And he's just kind of in this situation where he's got to be... Basically, they couldn't get Michael J. Fox, so they got Jason Bateman to do the Michael J. Fox bit. And then there's some guys from the first movie in the second movie, but... Yeah, he's a boxer, and it's the exact same story, but at college, and he's a boxer.
2: Is he meant to be the same Teen Wolf? Is he meant to be Mercury Fox or is he his cousin?
0: I uh, know. No, it's his cousin, I think, is what right. it was. But when you're watching it... But I think the dad... You know, I only saw it that one time, and I was nine or ten, you know, oh, and right. just went, this is the same movie! <laughs> so, I was just like, that was awful! You know, it was the first time... As a kid, I felt disappointed in the film. I was so excited. And I worked on this film, Paul, with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. And Jason Bateman was in that film. And as a rap gift, they gave him a Teen Wolf 2 poster signed by all of us. (laughs) (laughs) And I might have written this was the first film to disappoint me. (laughs) mean, Jason is one of the greatest guys and yeah. a really phenomenal actor yeah. and director and yeah. uh, just a great guy, but I felt bad. Yeah, that was my introduction to Jay.
2: <laughs> That's really funny. What is... You're in comedy, you're a comedian. What's the film that made you laugh the most?
0: I mean, definitely Love and Death was one that I loved that made me laugh really hard. Um, the Zucker Brothers movies, like... Airplane okay, and Naked yeah. Gun still make me laugh. I mean, clearly, I'm a, I'm a big Coen Brothers fan. If you watch Barry, I mean, it mm-hmm. echoes with Coen Brothers type stuff in that. A Serious Man, especially, is the one lately that really makes me laugh. Yeah, like That movie's very funny. And I got to work with Fred Melamed, who's in that movie. And so, yeah, I would... Those are some that really... Those ones really get me.
2: Bill Hayder, what an absolute pleasure you have been. However, when you skydove. At uh, 83, and you were sky dancing, and unlike Del Close, your parachute did open, and it opened, and you sky danced very slowly down. Everyone was like, "Wow, you know, he's pretty nimble for an 83-year-old. Look at him go!" And you, everyone was standing around. Well done, well done, Bill Hader. And you were like, "Hey guys," as you floated down. "Hey guys," and you landed. You said, "Hey," and you had a heart attack, and you died. And I'm walking past because I heard you were doing this Skydance show and I'm, with, I'm bringing the coffin with me. You know, what I'm like, and I see loads of people gathered around and they're shouting at the sky, at the, the skydiving company people. They're going, you killed Bill Hader, you killed Hader. <laughs> and I go, get out of the way, guys, get out of the way. And I go, listen, hey, they, did, <laughs> they, didn't, <laughs> they didn't kill Bill Hayder. He had a heart attack. It just happened to happen exactly the moment he landed. And the skydiving people go exactly. We're really safe. We're good. Okay, go, don't worry, guys. There's not gonna be a lawsuit. Off you go. Everyone clears, and there you are, smashed dead in the ground. And unfortunately, in all the commotion, people were stomping on you, uh, trying to get killed. The, the skydiving people. Your body's a mess. So I'm scraping you off the road. <laughs> bits of grass, bits of concrete. I'm having to chop up bits of you just to get you into some shape. <laughs> I stuff you in the coffin, I stuff you in, but there's more of you than I was expecting. There's bits of the parachute, we couldn't get it all off. Anyway, the coffin is now rammed. It is full. There is barely any room in it. There is just enough room to slide one DVD in the side <laughs> for you to take across to the other side. And on the other side, it's movie night every night. What film are you taking to show the people of heaven when it is your movie night, Bill Hader? Naked Gun. And they will love you for it. You will be very (laughs) welcome. Bill Hayden, what a joy. What a treat. I'm so grateful you did this.
0: Oh, man, this is (laughs) fun, man. Oh, this is a lot of fun.
2: Is there anything you would like to tell people to watch, look out for, or listen to in the coming times?
0: Oh, I like this movie called You Were Not My Mother. I enjoyed that. It was a horror film from Ireland I thought was pretty good. This is very generous of you, but I'm talking
2: about your own stuff.
0: Oh, 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 uh, well, Barry, that's the only thing I work on. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch Barry if you can. And then that's what? the only you thing my I, That's my whole life right now, is doing that show. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you should see uh, You and Not My Mother is a great film. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, 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 I thought uh, Katie Morgan, the director's name, did a great job.
2: So You're Not My Mother and then Three Seasons of Barry is what yeah. you would recommend. Yeah. Uh, Bill Hayder, thank you for your time and for your excellent work. Thank you, uh, sir. Good day to you. I hope you have a wonderful day. Good night and good day. <laughs> So that was episode 202. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra chat, secrets, and uncut ad-free episode, plus videos of many of other guests. Don't forget to get your tickets for the live show at the Hackney Empire July 2nd. Tickets at hackneyempire.co.uk or plesif.co.uk. Thank you so much to Bill for giving me all his time. Thank you so much to Jason for organising it. Thanks to Scrupius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to ACAST for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come and join me next week for another absolutely stone cold killer episode. I hope you are all well. Nice to talk to you again. So that is it for now. In the meantime, have a lovely week and please be excellent to each other.